you know, even if you're inside an organization and, uh, you know, you need to sell a, an idea or a concept to be able to get funding for a budget or something like that, you're also in sales, whether you knew it or not. You're listening to Sunny Side Up, a B2B podcast that brings you the juiciest insights from go-to-market leaders and practitioners. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Sunny Side Up. I'm your host, Mason Rothler. Today, I'm super excited to talk to Tom Cuton on how B2B sales doesn't have to be scary. Tom, could you tell our listeners a bit about your background? Yeah, Mason, and thanks so much for uh, having me on the, the podcast with you today. I'm, I'm really excited to be here and um, really excited to uh, talk about something that early in my career I thought was kind of scary, actually, and that is uh, going out and, uh, and really selling services from one business to another. I grew up as a uh, consultant, uh, someone that was uh, busy doing you know, work on a day-to-day basis, uh, whether it be a data analysis or testing or even trying to code a little bit. And um, to me, I always thought like the salespeople were the, the people that were uh, super slick and always had the right things to say. And as I've grown in my career, I've realized that it's not really all about that. So I'm excited to talk about it. And uh, uh, a little bit about me. Uh, I'm a senior vice president with RightPoint. I've got uh, over 20 years of experience helping clients uh, identify, adopt, and realize value from technologies. RightPoint's a pretty cool place to be. Uh, we're going to market as a global experience company. And what we do is we create digital experiences that connect people and drive meaningful outcomes for uh, for organizations. So again, happy to be here. Awesome, Tom. Really excited to talk to you today. And once again, welcome to the show. We'll kick things off here. Can you tell us a little bit more about your role at RightPoint and also, you know, your journey as a sales leader and how that kind of came to be? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Happy to. Today at RightPoint, I serve as a senior vice president and a managing director of our Detroit office. So I have a team of account executives, uh, business development directors, and client partners that are responsible for identifying opportunities to help prospective and existing clients uh, and create business relationships where, uh, you know, we both have desired outcomes. Before I took on this role, I actually worked in each of those other roles at RightPoint and then at some other companies prior to. I've been responsible for finding new clients and and also working with existing clients to make sure we're not only delivering great work for them, but uh, also helping them peek around the corner and what's coming and helping them take advantage of those opportunities or, or frankly, manage some risks. In terms of the journey, uh, I kind of alluded to this earlier, but I think it's a little bit funny that I ended up in this role. I was fairly quiet growing up, and I never thought of myself as the salesperson. When I went to business school, I studied accounting and finance. Um, I didn't even really think about sales. And then when I graduated, I went into consulting. I thought that uh, you know I would develop a, a deep expertise in something and then eventually work for one of my clients. At the time, technology was really starting to take often play a bigger role in business. Uh, This is the early days of the internet, client-server technology. As I mentioned uh, in the intro, I tried things like software development and and data analysis and quality. Um, What I eventually figured out then was that I was was really effective in client-facing roles like project management. I felt like I was really at my best when I was listening to what clients were trying to accomplish and then, you know, translating that and then working with the team to create a plan for success and then going out and executing. At the same time, I was also kind of watching how the partners in our firm where I worked at the time would engage with clients and talk to them about, you know, additional projects where we could help. I really wanted to be more in the room in those discussions and really shape the work before it got to the project team. So that way uh, we could, uh, you know, really just set it up for success. 
and really be part of that conversation of, of, of shaping the vision. So that way, when it comes time to actually making it happen, we could have been along for the entire journey. And, and to me, that's where it got really interesting. And that's just when I realized how fun and interesting really sales could be. No, that that's great. And, you know, to kind of follow up with that, I guess, you know, why do you think it is important to start practicing your craft early on to become an expert like yourself? You know, how does that help accelerate your career trajectory, you think? Yeah, it's a good question. And, um, you know, it, this actually goes back to when I was in college. Uh, one of my professors uh, said something to me that I thought really stuck. And, it, and he just said, you know, go out and become famous for something. And it can really help accelerate your career. For me, um, I kind of mentioned earlier that I, I got into project management and um, I, it was just a natural thing for me. And so I wanted to learn as much as I could about it because I felt and, you know, I, I still believe today that projects, programs are the way to change a, a business behaves. If you don't commit to a change and run it through a project of some sort, then you're just going to keep kind of doing what you're doing or it'll take you a lot longer to get there. Um, for me, I, I found like the best way to get, develop expertise was by getting involved with the professional association. I was doing some research and learned that uh, a group called the Project Management Institute or PMI, which is a big deal for project managers, was working on this maturity model that gave companies a framework for improving capabilities in project management. I volunteered to help. I started sharing some ideas in some of the meetings. And the next thing I know, I was actually asked to lead the work. Um, it was really cool. I ended up uh, traveling to conferences around the world to share some of our thinking and what we were writing and, and developed a, a bit of a reputation for being an expert in the space. And that's, again, where some of the, the uh, learnings about how um, you know sales doesn't have to be really all that scary because businesses started reaching out to me. Uh, they asked if I could help them by either running projects or providing training. And I find myself, you know, quote unquote, selling uh, without it really being scary at all. From what I understand from uh, a lot of your listeners on this podcast, uh, you know, they're in the early to mid stages of their career and they're looking for things that can help accelerate. And just about every one of the careers that uh, uh, that you can get into has a professional association, whether it be data science, software development. UI design, marketing sales, you know, you name it, there, there's a group that gets together and, and talks about what's going on uh, in the industry and in the practice. And, you know, when birds of a feather get together, you learn more about ideas, opportunities. You, you usually take something away that you can then apply to your own workplace or career and help you accelerate. And um, for me, that that really helped a ton. No, that, that's fascinating. To follow up with that, I mean, for our listeners, what, why do you think it's so important to build that support network to help you excel? Well, there's a, there's a saying out there that says you can you can go uh, fast by yourself, but you can go further together. And um, to me, that just applies to so many different things throughout life. One of my old bosses actually used to teach us a class. Uh, he called it networking for life. And he had this idea that um, you would have a network of people that you trust and that trust you. And um, it's really um, uh, one of the most impactful lessons I've learned. He described how you know, really successful people have a broad network of people to lean on really in any situation. And this could be business, uh, but they could also be personal. He talked about you know, having a great plumber, a great mechanic, a great doctor, uh, along with professional connections. And um, it, to me, it really um, it holds true because if you if you know folks and can help folks uh, uh, make connections uh, in those particular spaces, especially when people have times of need, then they're obviously going to want to help you as well. Uh, 
my personal philosophy when it comes to networking is really not to go out and look for someone that can help you, but kind of turn that on its head and find ways that you can really reach out and help others. Uh, I found if you meet someone new and uh, you could somehow help them with advice or, you know, even just an article or something you read or an introduction to someone that you already know, uh, then if they're eventually working in a place where you want to do business, they're going to be much more receptive to you reaching out and they're going to try and help you in return uh, because you've kind of already built that foundation. And, and would you say, you know, that process of building a network has become, you know, easier in, in a digital first world with platforms like LinkedIn being so, you know, relevant? Uh, it's, it's really a good one. To me, it, it's tricky. Because uh, in, in my mind, if I think about something like LinkedIn and, and some of the others that are out there, it's both a blessing and a curse. For me, LinkedIn is a, it's a fantastic tool. I use it to keep in touch with people that I've met. And um, if, even if I don't uh, connect with them regularly, I can at least uh, understand kind of where they're going in their career, what they've done, what they've accomplished. Most professionals keep it up to date. And uh, it's just a good way to kind of uh, even sense trends in the market about where people might be moving and, and some of the reasons why. I use it heavily to make new connections as well. Um, I try and do a lot of learning, just gathering data about from like really smart people that have been successful in particular industries where we might want to do work. Or maybe they've leveraged technologies where um, I want to learn more and figure out how you know, we can best advise our clients on how to take advantage of them. And uh, I would really advise anyone to do the same um, at the very basic, uh, keep up your own profile, connect with the people that you just happen to work with today. And if you go out and get involved with other folks, um, most people are open to connecting with you afterward. And again, you never know how they can help you longer term. There is a, I, I mentioned like, I, I'm kind of conflicted and it's like a blessing and a curse because there are a lot of downsides. You know, there are a lot of people that connect with me and they're always trying to sell me something right away. And it's it's usually not relevant to, to me or what I'm trying to accomplish with my career. And uh, a lot of that can get really annoying because of that annoyance. Sometimes you'll see some distrust with uh, with other folks on LinkedIn and, and they're not as willing to, to get involved with it. And it's understandably so if someone's constantly trying to you know give you something that you really don't want. And so, you know, try not to be that person. The other thing I would say is, you know, the connection on LinkedIn is not a substitute for an actual connection with someone, whether it's meeting in person or meeting by phone or, or even a, a video chat of some sort. You really need to make sure that you're doing both if you're really going to um, to really stay uh, truly connected and develop, uh, you know, more meaningful relationships. No, yeah, I mean that's super relevant to me. You know, being in sales, I know that LinkedIn is a huge tool now, and you know. We try to avoid what we call pitch slapping when you just try to sell to someone you recently connected <laughs> with. Uh, and I'm, I'm sure you get a ton of that, that down. in your role. Yeah, I'm writing pitch slapping down. Uh, <laughs> uh, that, that's a great one. So a common theme we're kind of running across in the market right now is, you know, an economic downturn that we're experiencing. So how are you and your organization adapting to this current economic downturn? Yeah, it's... Um... It's been tricky, and uh, you know, I've I've had a lot of folks ask me, uh, you know, how business has been over the last couple of months with uh, the downturn, and and I've described it as a little bit harder and just a little bit sluggish. Um, a lot of our clients are are being a little bit more uh, thoughtful about things before they uh, before they uh, commit to them. I think uh, you know some budgets are being trimmed back, and uh, that can obviously impact uh, lots of different things, whether directly or indirectly. Sometimes you'll be working on something with someone and uh, 
it could be someone that ends up, uh, you know, uh, being released from the organization. Uh, and uh, you kind of have to restart with uh, whoever the new team might be. Some of our work has actually stopped and some of it's been postponed till next year. But I think that uh, ultimately what we're doing is we're continuing the process. Um, I think that if you, you know, treat people the same way when they have small budgets as, as they do when they have big budgets, then that genuineness is going to be remembered when the budgets are larger again. We're continuing to proactively provide ideas and looks ahead to opportunities that we think people should start planning for now as people are looking at their budgets for the next uh, calendar year. Uh, we're trying to get ahead of that and giving them ideas that they should be trying to earmark. Uh, so assuming that things do start to come around like they always do, then we'll be well positioned to be uh, considered for uh, our services. And then, uh, you know, when they're able to spend that, um, that they'll look to us first. So uh, continuing to, uh, uh, to do what uh, we should be doing. And that's, uh, you know, sharing knowledge about, you know, not only the things that we're doing and seeing, but also giving our, our clients ideas and, and proactive thoughts so that the way they can start to think ahead. No, that's, that is a great strategy. I feel like for your organization to kind of adapt to, you know, difficult times like that. Uh, a common question we like to ask a lot of our listeners is, is there a book or maybe a blog or, or newsletter or website, video, anything that you'd kind of recommend for our listeners? There's, there's a couple of things that, uh, that, I, that I would definitely consider. The Hustle is, uh, is a very uh, interesting newsletter that seems to surface business... Uh, stories or um, trends or things that maybe aren't commonly found in like some of the other sources uh, that are that are a little bit more mainstream. Um, so I, I, I get that daily and I tend to read it daily. From a book perspective, uh, I really thought The Challenger Sale was one of the most effective books that I've ever read. I'd encourage anyone that's uh, planning to sell anything. And it doesn't necessarily have to be someone that's in, in a sales role because um, you know even if you're inside an organization, and, uh, you know, you need to sell an idea or a concept to be able to get funding for a budget or something like that. You're also in sales, whether you knew it or not. Um, you know, I would highly encourage uh, anyone to uh, read the challenger sale and think about how you can thoughtfully challenge you know, someone else's thinking, especially if they're, they're buying something from you. I think if you can you know, take those uh, techniques as a challenger and, and be thoughtful, it can help you grow regardless of your career. And, um, yeah, it's it's one thing for you to be able to be the person that uh, someone knows to go to and say, uh, hey, can you help me solve this? It's another thing for you to be able to come back to that person. And, and yes, but have you thought about it this way and really impact that person's thinking? Because ultimately, I think uh, you're going to be best positioned to, to help that person longer term. And they're really going to trust the way you think about things. No, that is a great recommendation. I will definitely be adding that to my reading list here. One of the best ways for us to kind of grow this podcast is through referrals. I was wondering if you could share the names of maybe three inspirational people in the B2B space that you recommend we try to bring on the show. Uh, <laughs> I'm only uh, hesitating and being a little bit cautious because I'm like, oh man, only three people because I've had uh, I've been fortunate to have so many great mentors and, and people that have challenged me and uh, and have kind of shaped uh, who I am from a professional perspective. But uh, there's a, there's a few that stand out. I mentioned earlier that I, I used to have a, a boss that uh, that um, that taught us this networking for life uh, class, and uh, he taught it to everybody in the company. and And at the time, I was with a company called uh, Pariveda Solutions, which is still going today, uh, based down in Dallas. And uh, John Humphrey is a co-founder of the company. It's a really strong technology consultancy, and um, 
he kind of helped shape this perspective very early uh, for everybody's career where if you wanted to grow in your career, you had to get more and more comfortable uh, being able to put yourself out in front of clients and be able to explain what you're doing and why, and eventually be able to convince them that, you know, we're the right company and we're the right people to, to help them with, uh, with some really strong uh, technical challenges. And so I think his perspective would be really good for your audience. When I joined uh, RightPoint uh, uh, about seven and a half years ago, uh, we grew organically for a while, and we uh, we also grew through acquisition. Uh, we bought a company called Agency Oasis, and Chris Crombie was the sales leader that joined RightPoint through that acquisition, and uh, he just has a, a really unique perspective. It almost always comes back to the basic tenet that you have to work hard to be very successful. But uh, Chris is just really funny. Uh, he keeps things really real. You can see that in his, um, his not only his physical uh, uh, style and in his in-person style, but even if you just connect with him on LinkedIn and kind of follow him there, uh, you can see that he's just got a, a great style about him and um, just uh, really kind of, uh, like I said, he keeps it real and um, is a really good leader. One other person that uh, comes to mind, uh, I think, is Brian Wilson, uh, and he's at Microsoft. Microsoft has been a, a great technology partner uh, of RightPoints uh, since I've been here, and um, I've worked in, a, in the Microsoft ecosystem uh, for even longer. And uh, it's a it's a great company with a lot of great technology, and Brian's currently uh, leading the the Midwest and Mest region. He's very pro Detroit, like I am. Uh, I've, uh, I've I was born here and raised uh, in the Detroit area, and I'm very uh, excited to to be a part of the city and and everything that's happening here. Uh, but he's also very thoughtful in the technology space. He's been incredibly successful while just being really down to earth and driven by values. and And uh, I'd recommend Bren really anytime. I appreciate all those recommendations. Um, for our listeners, if anyone wanted to try to get in touch with you after this podcast, you know, what would be the best channel for them to go through? Yeah, I think the easiest thing would probably just to start with LinkedIn. I mentioned that I use it pretty extensively. And, um, you know, we can start by connecting there and there's the great messaging feature. And uh, as long as we're not, uh, oh my gosh, I already forgot the term that you mentioned. I forgot to write it down because I was so excited about the podcast. The pitch slap. As long as you don't pitch slap me, then uh, I'm sure we can start there and then switch to other channels as it as it makes sense. Uh, I'd, I'd love to connect, and uh, I, I do use that uh, that platform pretty extensively. Amazing. Well, I, I really enjoyed having you on the podcast today. You know, once again, thanks for being on our show, Mason. I, I really enjoyed it, and uh, I'm glad I, uh, I learned something as well. Uh, I'm not going to pitch slap anybody. <laughs> Sounds good. Thanks, Mason. Thanks, Tom. Today's episode is made possible by Demandbase. Demandbase is smarter GTM for B2B brands to help marketing and sales teams spot the juiciest opportunities earlier and progress them faster. Thanks so much for tuning in to this episode of Sunnyside Up. If you liked what you heard, please rate and review us and subscribe to our show on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you consume podcasts. You can also find us on YouTube and Demandbase TV. 